Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio and Happy New Year once again. Wishing you all the best in delicious dishes in 2019. On this show, we continue our celebration of food and the role that it plays in our lives. Tune in and we'll explore everything, the culture, the science, the history, the backstories, and the deeper meanings that come together every time people sit down to enjoy a meal. This is a place for people who love to cook or love to eat, and it's my goal to make your dishes come alive with flavor. It's more than just food, though. I talk food, health, wellness, wine, cocktails, trends, tech, and fitness to fuel your hunger and satiate your soul. So I hope that you'll stay tuned because there is very delicious conversation coming up this hour. If you happen to have missed a show, you can always find podcasts on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen, and my website at chefjamie.com will definitely make you a better cook. I also hope that you'll follow me on social at Chef Jamie Gwen on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. And with that said, let's dig in, shall we? I always start this show with a tutorial of sorts, a method or instruction, insight to make you the best cook you know. And creamy Parmesan polenta sounds scrumptious right about now, doesn't it? Warm and comforting, buttery and delicious. Really good polenta makes me swoon. Now, don't get me wrong. I love polenta's American cousin, grits, but polenta is like wrapping yourself in an Italian blanket. And if you give me a bit right out of the pot, like off the spoon, I melt. It's just so good. But it's about time you forget all the things you've heard about polenta that might have you intimidated to cook it, or maybe not even think about thinking about it rather often. I want to assure you, it couldn't be easier. It does require a little bit of attention as it cooks, but not more than, say, steel-cut oatmeal. It's all about the ratio of liquid, whether it's water, milk, or stock that you choose, to the cornmeal. And it's about the cooking time, too. But once you make it, I promise, you'll want to make it a whole lot more. And because winter and cold weather makes me think about hearty, rustic foods, I thought that this this would be a a good uh, tutorial of sorts. Now, I serve my creamy Parmesan polenta with wild mushrooms on a big wooden board, family style, and it really is the ultimate communal dining experience. You could top it with uh, pieces of, you know, the perfect roast chicken you just carved and that lemony pan sauce or a store-bought rotisserie chicken too for store-bought to homemade and you have the ultimate Sunday supper. Any leftovers, they go to good use as well for grilled or fried polenta. Quite frankly, I think you owe it to winter to make a batch of polenta. So in short... Polenta is a cornmeal porridge that is a common dish in northern Italy. It's frequently eaten with meats and ragu or cheese like gorgonzola. 
and it can be eaten freshly cooked as that thick porridge that we love, or it can be cooled and then sliced and fried, grilled, or baked. Now, long before corn was brought from the Americas to Europe, Polenta was already a staple food. It just wasn't made from corn. The name originally comes from the Latin word for pearled grain, like barley. And the dish was a gruel that could be made with all sorts of grains and legumes, and it dates back to Roman times. Now, today it's no longer associated with other grains. Polenta is only associated with corn. And while there are some very fancy versions of Italian polenta that you can buy, which some prefer over the more generic stuff, for all practical purposes, any medium ground or even fine ground cornmeal will do. Now, a lot of stores sell quick or instant polenta, which is made either from an incredibly fine grind of cornmeal or from pre-cooked polenta that's then dried and processed into a flour, and it can be rapidly reconstituted in minutes. And I recognize the convenience of a product like that, but I'll be honest, I have never met a quick cooking polenta that I like, and I've tried a few. So buy the traditional cornmeal or buy the Italian polenta in a box if you like. And here's what's important when you're making it. Perhaps the biggest decision, aside from the exact type of cornmeal itself, is what type of liquid you're going to use for the polenta. Now, Italian chefs will tell you that all water is the only way. But milk, for instance, makes an incredibly rich and creamy polenta that's a lot more of an indulgence all on its own. And you can use your milk substitutes of choice. If you're an almond milk or a a soy milk drinker, go for it. Now, chicken stock infuses the polenta with lots of flavor, too, because a fine chef who who happened to used to yell out BAM, who I had the privilege of training under a lot of years ago, he taught me, Emeril Lagasse, that water has no flavor, right? Novel, isn't it? But truth is, whether it's milk or chicken stock or a combination of water and the two, they're all perfectly good options depending upon what you choose. Personally... I make polenta with milk and water. First, because it creates that creamy, luscious polenta from the richness of the milk, but offset by the water, the corn flavor still shines through. And once you've picked your polenta and decided on a liquid, the next question is what ratio to use. I use a ratio of four parts liquid to one part polenta by volume. The problem with using any less liquid is that it almost invariably fails to fully hydrate the cornmeal. So your polenta may thicken faster and appear to be done sooner, but those little bits of dried corn, I think they retain a very unpleasant crunch. So in essence, too little water makes polenta that's undercooked and gritty. So if we're using a proper ratio of liquid to cornmeal, the next question is how long to cook it, right? This is another area that gets lots of debate. I say that about 20 minutes is enough. I have seen recipes that cook for up to an hour. That seems excessive to me. Now, mind you, you can leave the polenta on the stove for an hour. You can continue to add more liquid. You can make it, hold it, reheat it, thin it out a little bit, and serve it uh, no harm, no foul. But it doesn't take more than 20 minutes to become delicious. And you don't actually have to stir the polenta constantly as it cooks. It does require a little bit of 
attention, really, a stir here and there to keep it from sticking to the bottom of the pot. Now, when it's done, I stir in butter and Parmesan cheese. Sometimes I throw in a spoonful of mascarpone. Oh, it's so good. I season well with salt and pepper and I taste and then voila, it's ready. Now, I've played with other methods like the oven method, the double boiler method, the microwave method, but top of the stove is my best suggestion. And as I mentioned, I like it hot and creamy with mushrooms or a braised lamb shank or garlicky shrimp. And I happen to love to save the leftovers because firm polenta cut into squares and grilled or fried is really luscious too. Now... When you feel that chill outside and you are craving something warm and hearty, just whip up a batch of creamy, comforting polenta. And for inspiration, you can find recipes at chefjamie.com or email me directly and I'll send you my polenta tutorial. It's jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. All right. It's time for food news this week. Some incredible news, I must say, for donut lovers who are trying to stick to their New Year's resolutions. Oh yes, YoPlay has your back. Listen to this. YoPlay came up for came up with rather a way for us to enjoy the taste of donuts without as much guilt. You see, I get excited telling you about it. The yogurt brand teamed up with Dunkin', because who knows donuts better, to create donut-inspired yogurt. And beginning this month, you can pick up yogurt that tastes like a Dunkin' Boston cream donut. What a time to be alive, right? And there are three other limited edition Dunkin' flavors, apple fritter, French vanilla latte, and cinnamon coffee roll. And all the Dunkin' flavors of YoPlay yogurt are said to become available at major retailers as of this month. So hip, hip, hooray is all I have to say. (laughs) Yes, I am excited. And don't touch your dial. This show is all about new year, new you. And coming up next, Dr. Michael Crupain stops by. I am all about feeding your soul, so don't touch your dial. There is lots more delicious conversation coming up in your radio right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. There's a new book that's all a buzz, a non-diet based on when you eat that will better your health, weight, and aging. What if eating two cups of blueberries a day could prevent cancer? If drinking a kale-infused smoothie could counteract missing an hour's worth of sleep? When is the right time of day to eat that chocolate chip cookie that you're craving? What to Eat When is not a diet book. Instead, acclaimed internist Dr. Michael Roizen and preventative medicine specialist Dr. Michael Crupain offer choices based on science and real food. Co-author Dr. Michael Crupain is the medical director of The Dr. Oz Show, board certified in preventative medicine, and faculty at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. And he is here to dish. 
Hi, Dr. Krupain. Glad to have you. Hi, thank you. Great to be here. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you for sharing the insight. Your book proves that what you eat is as important as when you eat it, right? What this book looks at, uh, well, it's really a lot going on in this book, which is really exciting. The first half of the book really focuses on the time of day that you eat and how that affects your health, your energy, your weight loss, your sleep. Um, when we first started writing the book, it was really funny. I didn't really believe that when you ate was that important. But as I started to dig into the research, and there's a lot of it out there that's pretty recent, I really was shocked and to discover mm -hmm. how much when you eat really matters. So when do you start eating every day and when do you stop? Because yeah, I've so begun reading, you start, you say when the sun is out, right? So it all has to do with your circadian rhythm, yes. which is your body's clock. And your circadian rhythm, is, it dictates things. Like it, it, Its job is to get your body to do the right thing at the right time. So we, we all know it for sleep. Right? We know that our melatonin starts to increase at night, and then mm -hmm. we start to get sleepy, and then in the morning it starts to decrease, and we wake up. So it's, that's, its job is to get your body to do things at the right moment. So it's set by the sun, and our body's metabolism wants us to eat during the day when the sun is up and fast at night when it's down, because if you think about it, back once upon a time, that's what we had to do. Uh, we couldn't eat at night because we couldn't really see very well. We mm -hmm. had to rest. We had to sleep. So our body gets primed to do eat to eat during the day and to eat less at night. So yeah, we say you should eat with the sun and you should eat more early and less later. So it's different than how I used to live my life before we started doing this research, that you eat most of your calories for breakfast and lunch and make dinner your smallest meal of the day. Right. And I love that you say in the book to mix it up. I think we're often stuck. I mean, we've certainly in the food world uh, prided ourselves on the fact that breakfast for dinner is a good thing. But you say salmon for breakfast is a great thing. That's right. We always hear about eating your breakfast for dinner, but we're saying the opposite. We're right. saying eat your dinner for breakfast. Eat the bigger um, meal, the heartier goodness. Uh, you know, I assume that means eat the chocolate chip cookie for breakfast, too. You'll burn it off? We don't love a chocolate chip cookie, but once in a while, if you're going to have it, better to have it early. Okay, please. you, you got to give me one cookie, Dr. Coupain. <laughs> but yeah, it's either breakfast or lunch should be your largest meal of the day. Some people tell us, you know, we'd like, I just can't eat breakfast as a large meal. That's fine. We want this to be something that fits in with your life, because if you can't fit it in, you're never going to do it. Right. But, but the research shows that people who eat more of their calories early do better than people who eat more of their calories late. Okay. When it comes to, you know, sleeping or uh, losing weight or sure. just feeling better. Okay. So I'm going to say prove it. Share some patient stories, would you please? Because the book weaves your research in with beautiful stories that I find very inspiring. To me, the most, some of the most convincing studies that we saw, one of the most convincing ones came out of Spain. Where they looked, where Spain, their largest meal of the day is typically at lunch. Right. Now they they're going to eat breakfast and maybe a small and, and dinner, but most of their calories are coming in the middle of the day. And they looked at people, they put people on a plan to lose weight, and they divided up into two groups. They looked at people who ate mo more of their calories or they had their lunch early compared to people who had their lunch late, and that meant before three o'clock or after three o'clock. And even though both groups of people ate the same foods and the same number of calories, the people who ate their lunch early lost 25% more weight than the people who ate their lunch late. Which That's amazing. very surprising. Yes. Then the, the other really interesting study is done in America where they put people on a calorie-restricted diet. So it was something about 1,400 calories a day or 1,500 calories a day. And they had them, and they gave them their food, so they controlled what they were eating. 
and everybody ate the same lunch. They all ate 500 calories for lunch, but one group ate 700 calories for breakfast and 300 calories for dinner, and then the other group had the opposite. They ate 300 calories for breakfast and 700 calories for dinner, and the group that ate those calories in the morning lost more weight than the group that ate them at night. So even though they ate the, whole, the same exact foods, the same number of calories, eating early made a big difference. Point, point for point. The Dr. Oz Show does a big January diet every year, and this year our book is the basis of that diet, and we put a lot of people on it, and we had some, uh, some real people who had some really amazing results just making this switch of when they were eating. All right, so talk about the diet. What's a, what's a basic day in the January Dr. Oz, what to eat when... Dr. Crupain, Dr. Royzen diet. Yeah, so typically, well, like we said, we want you to have your dinner for breakfast, so make your breakfast or your lunch the largest meal of the day. So for me, mm-hmm. that's usually, it could be a bowl of pasta, uh, like a whole grain pasta. I love farro pasta. I do too. Uh, with uh, broccoli or with like a, a kale pesto or something like that. Nice. If you eat it cold, it's even better because um, you can make it the night before and then just eat it the next day so it's fast. And when, and when carbohydrates, starchy carbohydrates like pasta get cold, they become resistant starch. And, resi- and starch is just sugar, but when something becomes resistant starch, it becomes more like fiber. So your body doesn't actually digest it the same way, so you don't get that sugar rush, so it's even better. Okay, wait, like, I'm going to ask you to pause there at breakfast, because yeah. are you saying it's better to eat that leftover pasta out of the fridge cold than even reheat it? Yeah, a little bit better, yeah. Yes. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. You just gave me insight to standing in front of my fridge. Thank you. <laughs> Moving on from breakfast, what do you eat for lunch? Well, for lunch, I would have maybe a big bowl of soup okay. uh, this time of year. It's, yes. In New York here, it's kind of cold. <laughs> Freezing, yes. <laughs> so uh, I might make soup on, uh, on the weekends that uh-huh. will last me for the week. So um, I really like to make like uh, a beans, bean-based soup, and then uh, I'll heat it up in the morning, put it in a thermos, Hmm. And like an old-fashioned thermos, and take it to work. And then I discover every time it shocks me how hot it is when I open it up. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Yes, we love yeah, technology crazy. today. It's fabulous. I love that you're I mean, a passionate cook, too. Oh, I love cooking. Congratulations to you. Um, the book is really well done and brought tremendous insight. Um, and so I will consider pasta for breakfast tomorrow morning, <laughs> for sure. Only because Dr. Crupain told me so is going to be my excuse. Um, right. And I hope you'll come back on and share uh, more continuing research with us, Dr. Crupain. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Dr. Michael Crupain and New York Times bestselling author Dr. Michael Royzen reveal how the food choices you make every day and when you make them can affect your health, your energy, your waistline, your attitude, the way you age. It is a great read, so check it out. What to Eat When is a number one new release on Amazon, and you can follow at when.way. Feeding Your Soul one conversation at a time. So stay tuned. There's lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this.
As the delicious conversation continues, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. If the start of the year has you stressed out, Katrina Van Wick says there's a natural and delicious remedy. Adaptogens are a trending topic in the health and beauty world, focused on restoring balance, enhancing focus, boosting your energy, and improving your mood. So we're bettering your good health today with a boost of knowledge and inspiration to live every day better. Katrina is a certified health coach and holistic coach. Her third book, entitled Super Powders, has just released, and she's using herbs and mushrooms to share insight and recipes to your better health. I'm very glad to have you on the show, Katrina. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Okay. To start off, what is an adaptogen? This is a new word for many of us. And yes. what specifically does it do? Yes, that's the first question I always get because it's a little <laughs> bit of a strange word. Yes, it is. <laughs> but yes, but really it refers to what, what these plants actually do, which is they help your body better adapt to stress. Um, so that's really where the naming comes from. And so there are a group of different plants, herbs, if you will. Um, some of them are roots, berries, leaves, mushrooms that have this ability to help our bodies really deal with stress better, whether that's internal stress, external stress, um, and on top of that, help boost your immunity. Some of them are really great for your mood. Um, they work with your body to find balance, which is always what our body's trying to do. And so with these plants, you can kind of get there a little bit easier. I think in today's world, we're all striving for balance in so many ways. And oh, if, yeah. if I could add more goji berries to my diet and better myself, then why wouldn't I, right? This term yeah. adaptogen is new? It's somewhat new. It was actually developed during the World War II by some Russian scientists who were looking for ways to really boost the performance of some of their soldiers. And that's hmm. kind of how the term came up. Um, they were looking, and then, of course, in that process, they were looking to these ancient cultures, um, native cultures, to look at what they had been using when they were walking long distances and going through tough challenges, um, whether from climate or almost starvation, like what were sure. the things they were using. And so they came up with this term for this group of plants. How interesting. Um, yeah. Some of them I knew by name. Some of yeah. your super powders that you share, cook with, and bring us insight on, I didn't know. Goji berries, uh, we all know, considered a super food, right? And readily yeah. available. Um Astragalus? Didn't know that one. And that's actually one of my favorites and many um, herbalists and acupuncturists are favorites because it has such great immune boosting abilities. And that's really what a lot of us are looking for. Yes. <laughs> we all need a little extra, especially in the sort of cold and flu season. I'm in New York City. It's cold. It's this time of year. A lot of people are getting sick. So I'm definitely adding that to my morning coffee every day right now just to kind of help my body better fight off any viral things that are going around. Interesting. Astragalus. And then uh, reishi and moringa, I saw a lot mm -hmm. throughout, strewn throughout the book. Yeah, and those are also others that are really readily available, very safe, very easy for anybody to add in. Reishi is a mushroom, reishi. and it's generally calming. Hmm. Um, so it's nice to have that, you know, you can add that to like a little warm milk, like a golden milk at night to kind of unwind and calm down and relax your body for a better sleep. Hmm. It's also great for immunity. Um, so I love that one. Um, and Moringa is a green 
green, green food that has all those benefits that we know greens do. It's full of antioxidants, chlorophyll, it's going to give you energy, it's good for detoxification, it's fantastic for your skin. And that's another one that's easy to add into, like a smoothie, for example. If you're making a smoothie with some fruit and greens in it, you know, adding in some extra of these greens powders in there are super potent and powerful. I really like in the book that you do add them to everyday foods, right? That you find a way to essentially sneak in that powder and that they're readily available. You just need to know about them, uh, these super powders, and that you can simply add them. At the start of the book, though, you talk about how to find your fit, with adaptogens. And I think it's so smart. So um, I tend to travel a lot and I related very much to if you are an avid traveler, you say both Asian and American ginseng are essential. Yes. Yes. They're really great to kind of help the body recuperate and reset um, to a new time zone. And it's great for energy and focus overall. And that's also what we're looking for. We feel a little exhausted just from the traveling itself because it is really draining to be on an airplane and just the air the quality and all of that that we're exposed to right um and i also um, love for that reason because it actually helps protect ourselves from the damage that radiation can do mm. so that's a great thing to take sort of you know right before and while you're traveling just to help you really protect your body from those exposures really fabulous and for super beauty you talk about, mm-hmm. is it Amla, a hair strengthener? Yeah, so that's the same one I just mentioned for um, for travelers. Yes. Yeah, so Amla is known as sort of a beauty food. Um, mm-hmm. So it helps to kind of strengthen your nails and your hair, and it's been used for that for a long time. Um, so I love that. For A lot of women are asking me, you know, what can I do for my hair? It's thinning. You know, mom's going through that transition from, from having, being a pregnant to to nursing and losing a lot of hair. Like, this is just a nice thing that they can add in to help strengthen their hair overall. And for the insomniac, what do you recommend on a natural beauty basis? There's a couple of things that I love. Ashwagandha is one of my favorites and something I take every single day because it's both calming, but it also helps you sort of deal with stress and have energy throughout the day. But it's very safe to take it at the end of the day, right before going to bed. It's not going to sort of give you any jitters and energy boost in that way. And it's shown to really help promote good sleep. So I love ashwagandha, and that's an Ayurvedic plant that's been around for thousands of years, and lots of studies have been done on it. It's just a super fascinating one. Hmm. Um, And I also like shisandra, which has just been overall known to really help with insomnia. And that's a berry. Fabulous. Okay, let's take some of these mushrooms, plants, herbs, and berries, and let's cook. Because you say using ingredients you already have in your pantry, you can create a snack or a drink every day that incorporates these natural remedies, these super powders, also called as uh, adaptogens. So I want to make overnight chia oats. I make overnight oatmeal, but not with chia. Yeah. So chia is a little seed that's really... Pine fiber, it's great for your digestion, it's wonderful for your skin, it has those naturally occurring omega-3 fatty acids in there, which is hard to find in plants, so mm-hmm. it's unique for that reason, and really just great for your digestion, so I always love adding that, and it also adds a little bit of a, kind of, because it grows when you put it in liquid, it kind of expands and becomes almost a little bit gelatinous, it yes. makes the texture of the overnight oats really great too, it becomes almost like a little pudding. Yes, and you have goji berries and sea buckthorn powder, 
within mm-hmm. as well. So the goji berries are obviously delicious. I really like the taste of them. They're I do tart, too. Yes, they're yummy. Yeah. They're full of vitamin A. They have a bright red color, so they're really pretty. And they have a great energy boost. So I love adding that sort of early in the day in a morning breakfast to sure. get energy for the day. Very smart. And the sea buckthorn is a really interesting. That's more of a, a berry as well. Um, and that is an orange berry that has one of the omegas that are really hard to find, omega-7, which they've done lots of studies on for the skin. It's amazing for your skin. So oh. I love adding that. Okay, sea buckthorn, I'm adding it to my daily regimen. Uh, yeah. I know that you have spent many years in front of the camera traveling, working as a model, that you came here from Norway in 2006, but you have brought with you uh, glorious green drinks and green eats, and now these beautiful super powders, um, and uh, you are living the best life. So thank you for sharing your passion. I truly appreciate it. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, I do really believe that any beauty and well-being has to come from within through our food and through our thoughts. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying my best too. <laughs> and, and you're doing a beautiful job. Uh, new insight into the trending natural, delicious word called aptogens to better your balance, your focus, your energy, improve your mood. Adaptogens are really super powders. And Katrina Van Wick is sharing the best of these herbs and mushrooms in her book entitled Super Powders Just Released. To better your day, to better your health, to better your year. That's what we're all about. And it is a terrific read. Available on Amazon and everywhere. You can follow Katrina at K-A-T-R-I-N-E-V-A-N-W-Y-K. Katrina Van Wick. There is more to feed your soul right after this. New you, welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Want to make your New Year's resolutions stick this year? Well, you just have to take a listen. Audiobooks can help you achieve your 2019 reading goals and nourish your soul. And the pioneer of the international mindfulness movement, John Cabot Zinn, has a new audiobook entitled The Healing Power of Mindfulness to Propel Your Journey. His powerful tools will help you reshape your relationship with your body and mind, and he is here to start your year off right. I'm very glad to have you on the show, John. Welcome. How nice, and happy new year. <laughs> and happy new year to you. Thank you. Can you define mindfulness for us, please? to start? Mindfulness is basically pure awareness. So you could say, well, there's nothing what's so special about that. 
And the answer is nothing. I mean, awareness is like, you know, awareness. But then if you think about it for a moment, awareness is incredibly special because without awareness, we wouldn't even know that we're living our lives. So uh, mindfulness uh, is a form of meditation that actually cultivates our capacity to uh, inhabit the space of our own awareness so that we're not perpetually lost in thought and driven by thoughts of the past and the anxiety around the future and uh, all the emotional turmoil that accompanies those kinds of narratives when we generate them in our minds and think that's the and mistake that those narratives for the reality and awareness allows you to have a whole other sort of vantage point from which to actually uh, live your life and uh, decode what your mind is doing so that it's working in your favor rather than uh, at cross purposes with what you really hope to accomplish. Right, working for you instead of against you. I know your work. Exactly. And it's it's wonderful work. You should know, John, when I was a little girl, I was taught to meditate. I have a mantra. It was always my mom's intention to help keep me present, essentially. And yes. so that's how I wonderful. think of mindfulness. Yes, it, and it's carried me through life. But your research and what you share and, and your teachings really... Uh, I, I will say, uh, give us a uh, great insight into how it affects your health, how it can seriously yeah. affect the body. Yes, well, stress uh, can have very, very deleterious effects on the body and the mind. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if you're living with any kind of chronic pain condition or chronic illness, that also uh, is depleting and uh, it's disempowering in many ways or or is unless you uh, meet it head on. And so mindfulness uh, and mindfulness-based stress reduction are ways to actually cultivate wisdom in the face of the unwanted, so to speak, or the mm-hmm. face of the difficult, or the face of, for that matter, the wanted that we can get so seduced by that we lose ourselves in that, and develop a certain kind of emotional equanimity and clarity and wisdom and self-compassion that allows us to sort of navigate the ups and downs of life with much greater sort of uh, robustness and health in terms of health and well-being. And it's a, it's a practice. It's not a catechism or a philosophy or, a, 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 you know, a good a idea. Fix, it's right? actually something, it's a discipline, and yes. it's very difficult. It's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. But it's mm-hmm. also so incredibly powerful that it's, it's once you start and taste it, you're not going to give up. In fact, it's almost impossible to give up because even if you fail at meditating, you say, oh, I used to meditate, but now I don't anymore. But as soon as you're in the present moment again, you're back. Mm-hmm. And so it's very forgiving as well. Mm-hmm. And millions of people uh, now meditate because of MBSR and mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, MBCT, and other mindfulness-based programs that wouldn't ordinarily be meditating. You talk about resolutions made at the start of the year being far more effective than ordinary goal setting. And so I thought it was so appropriate and timely to consider that, you know, if you really truly are committed to the best you in 2019, start now. Exactly, because there is only now. And right. Fact, it doesn't matter whether it's the January or, or <laughs> December, because really, as you just said, there's only now. It's the only moment we ever have, mm-hmm. and everything else is a fiction. The past is gone. The future hasn't happened, although 
we spend an awful lot of time in the future thinking about it happening and planning or scheming for it to go our way or worrying that it's not going to go our way and everything's going to hell in the handbasket. And we have a lot of reasons why that may be the case. But when all is said and done, when you add it up, you still lost the present moment and in some sense lost your mind. And so mindfulness is a kind of invitation to find your mind and then learn how to inhabit it and then deal with the future and planning and worrying and deal with the past and who said what to whom and who's to blame for all of this and everything Mm. else without getting so caught in it that you become a prisoner of your own thinking. Right. Being here today. You brought light to today. Thank you for keeping us present and congratulations on the new book. It is called The Healing power of mindfulness yes thank you john please come back soon i'd love to have you well yes and you too my pleasure thank you and so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation i hope that you found this show inspiring and that you'll tune in every sunday because this is where informative entertaining and scrumptious information abounds i'll leave you with my last bite my last ounce or tidbit of culinary intrigue for the week. It's a slow cooker recipe for an easy, nourishing, delicious weeknight meal. And you'll instantly be a culinary hero because alongside rice or creamy polenta, it's a wonderful winter dish and it requires very little effort. It's just five ingredients. So you can thank me later for this slow-cooked cranberry Dijon pork roast. You'll start with a boneless pork loin roast. You'll need a can of cranberry sauce or some homemade goodness if you have leftover from the holidays, a quarter cup of honey, a teaspoon of grated orange zest and the juice of that orange, and some salt and pepper. You simply season the pork roast with salt and pepper and you sear it in olive oil until it's brown all over. Then you place it in your slow cooker, dump the remaining ingredients, and four or five hours later, after cooking on low, you have this succulent, delicious, rustic dish. I will post my slow-cooked cranberry Dijon pork roast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, and I will meet you here next weekend when there is lots more fabulous food in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. (laughs) 